Would you say this with me? I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing, saying all the right things. I'm good ground. I'm going to produce not just 30, not just 60, but I'm a 100-fold producer. I'm blessed. I'm chosen. I'm accepted. I'm qualified. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of the Most High God. Would you give the Lord one more big hand clap? Let him know how much you love him this morning. We're so grateful for you, Lord Jesus. Oh, there is one more group that we were talking about just yesterday, and that is for seniors. So all those uh, seniors, I don't want to call you elderly, but seniors, if you have a holy grunt or something, I don't care, but we have some good things coming your way uh, shortly as well. Uh, just some things that we're just talking about that we're going to have some senior groups that we're going to be launching as well. So all of you seniors are going to have an opportunity to be a part of other people's lives who may be retired, so it will refire you. But it sounds like Bible bingo and things like that. It'll be a great time. Coffee, Jesus, some other wonderful seniors. And I do call you seniors. I think that's a more appropriate name than elderly, right? But speaking of seniors, I heard about this elderly woman who is a senior who was driving a large Mercedes one day. And she was just about ready to pull into her parking spot. I mean, it was very obvious to everyone. And just when she was about to pull into the parking spot, this young, athletic, good-looking guy driving a very fancy sports car zips in, pulls right in front of her, takes the parking spot, gets out of his car, waves real big at her, and he says these words. He said, when you're young, good-looking, athletic, you can get away with things like this. And off he takes off to the store. She just smiles back at him real big, and then she proceeds to back into his car. And then she backs into it again. He sees what's going on. He runs back to her, and he says, what are you doing? She says, well, when you're old and rich, you can do whatever you want, and I'm just doing what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I want to continue our series on Your Kingdom Come. You know, last week we placed an emphasis on the Lord's Prayer, specifically along the lines of how powerful it is to have a personal relationship, a friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of the keys when we move into Matthew chapter 6, 31 and 33 through 33 in just a moment. But we really emphasize, highlighted on the power of just having that relationship with Christ on a daily basis. So how many of you are just excited about this new year, just getting off on the right foot, having a friendship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and just really pursuing him, quality time in his word, quality time with him, just worshiping him? I'm telling you again, when you pray, you enter into his presence, but when you praise, he enters into your presence, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And I'm telling you, there's something about just quality time, just loving him, worshiping him, being thankful. Your attitude of gratitude will always determine your altitude, and there's something powerful about entering into the gates with thanksgiving, into the courts of God with praise. I'm telling you, God is on the move in a big way this year. So I'm super excited about that. In fact, we talked and we uh, emphasized where King David, he had never lost a battle in 40 years of being king over Israel, which is pretty profound and powerful in those days especially. 
But this is one of the keys that King David said. In Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. In other words, I'm not going to let any distractions. I'm not going to take my iPod and my iPhone or whatever it is. I'm going to take my Bible. I'm going to take my journal. I'm going to take my notes. I'm going to meditate your word. I'm just going to be you and me, just date time with you. That's it. Early, I will seek you. I'm not going to let the kids distract me. I'm not going to let the work phone calls, emails, text messages. I'm not going to let anything distract me, just me and you. You know, I say this on a regular basis, and it's funny because somebody made me a cake one time, but I, I say you, when you aim for the sun, the son of God, that is, you'll always win the land with the stars. And uh, I truly believe that with all my heart. And today I'm looking out and I see history makers. I see world changers. I see people who are rising up to your God-given dreams and destiny and people who are going to leave a great legacy, not just for people, but in people. And I'm telling you, the greatest gift is love. Uh, you know, faith, hope, those are powerful. They're forever. But greatest gift is love. And God is love himself. And so when we get filled up with love, it's a whole lot easier to love our neighbors if we can learn to receive his love for ourselves first. So being filled up with his love, with his word, it will wash us. It will help us as husbands to wash our wives, as Ephesians chapter 5, 25 and 26 says. You know, in order to wash our wives with the word of God, we've got to be washed in God's word. Amen. So this is so powerful. This is not just a history book. This is much more. This, is, this thing is alive, sharper than a double-edged sword, and it will do miracles when you put it in you. And when you put it in you, when you need it, it's when it's going to come out. So input, output, whatever you put in you is what's going to come out of you. But this is something I just want to just pause for a moment and think about. Okay, we're in 2023 now, and this is where I want to go back to the heartbeat, and I want to take us deeper today. Psalm 23 2023, I believe, is symbolic for 2023. Psalm 23 is significant for us this year. And I, I want to say this because the Lord is our shepherd and I shall not want. And if you were with us on Wednesday and we talked about the power of visualization and how we took you through the scriptures in Habakkuk 2, 2, and so on like that, we talked about how vitally important it is to be able to see the outcome, the end result. So the Lord is, he's not just meeting your basic needs. He meets your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, but you've got to believe it for yourself. He is the Lord, your shepherd, and you shall not want. What is it that you're wanting this year? And this is where we've got to let the Lord's Prayer become a part of our daily ingredient of praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where? In my marriage. Where? In my parenting? Where? In my finances? Where? In my career? Where? In my relationships? Where? Right now, so I can build that orphanage, so I can build that missions program, so I can, so I can do these things that you have put in my heart that I want to do. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Let me tell you, when I prophetically said this word last week, that the Lord is on the move of bringing a great wealth transfer and it's going to begin to happen this year in a greater measure than we've ever experienced in history. That this is the year where God is going to start moving, as Proverbs 13.22 reminds us that, listen, a good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. So they think beyond themselves. They're not just thinking about me, me, me. They're thinking about we, we, we. And I'm not talking about going potty. I'm talking about going beyond your generation, thinking beyond yourself. This is how the kingdom of God operates is when we are not being selfish, but we're being selfless and we're thinking beyond ourselves. But then it goes on to say in verse 22, 
The wealth of the wicked is being laid up for who? The righteous. Say this after me. I am the righteousness of God in him. In who? In Christ. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Why does God want to do this in our lives? Because he would much rather have the wealth in your hands than in the sinner's hands who are just going to spoil it on their lust and living in vanity. And he wants you to use it so we can get this gospel out there. Amen? So we can build the things that God has placed in our hearts to build. And he is definitely not opposed to you having some nice things in your life either because he is your shepherd. And if he walks around and he's wearing a gold emblem around his neck and he's carrying a staff, a golden staff, and he's wearing this amazing robe that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's got a bunch of sheep following him that are starving to death and their clothes are all holy. And I'm not talking about that's the designer kind. I'm talking about where it's falling apart kind of, you know what I'm saying? And, and you just look like you've been pushed around, shoved around. I'm telling you, that doesn't look like a good shepherd. When you look good, you glorify your shepherd. And remember, he's not a cowboy. He's not driving you. It is your choice. He is a shepherd. He leads you. And it's your choice to follow him. But let me tell you, he clears all this up in John 10.10 because sometimes people are like, why are these bad things happening? And God is all sovereign. Yes, he is all sovereign. Well, God is in control. No, he's not in control of the earth. And we talked about that last week. Come on, church. It's time to wake up and stop letting the enemy pull the wool over your eyes. Jesus said it so clearly. It's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. If God was totally in control of the earth, would there be stealing, killing, destroying? Would there be pain and sorrow? Why would he teach us, Jesus teach us your will in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, our Father, hallowed, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If God's will was really being done on earth, why would he teach us to pray that? But churches and, and people around the world have taught that God is totally in control of all this, that he, they've based it on the book of Job and said, listen, in order for God to get, you know, for the enemy to get to you, he has to go through God first. So in other words, God's saying, okay, you can go ahead and just whoop up on Eileen or whoever. He, you could just go ahead. You could just whoop up on that person because uh, I'm just so proud of him. And, and just like Job, you know, there's, he's, he's, he's a righteous man. And he's living for me. And, and, and go ahead. Let's see if he'll curse me. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. Old Testament, New Testament, we are under a better covenant. Amen. And we need to have some clarity in this because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul says Satan's the god of this world. Doesn't say God is the god of this world. In fact, we need to look at this just a little deeper just for a moment, I sense, because sometimes I'm tipping over holy cows and people are like, man, I have been taught for years that God is in control of everything. And that car accident happened because it went through God's permission. And he gave him, Satan permission to hit me hard because I was being so dumb and ignorant. And I just wasn't listening to him. So that car wreck had to wake me up. <laughs> or he had to take my baby because he needed another angel in heaven. <laughs> lie, 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 lie. Just like the junior high game whack on the back of the head. Who did it? Because all your friends are standing behind. Oh, he did it. She did it. He did it. He, she did it. He's just pointing up. God did it. That earthquake, that tornado, God did it. God's really mad. You've been sinning big time. 
And that opened the door to the devil. Grace, 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 where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Now, this is not a license to go ahead and sin. <laughs> but we've got to get under the concept of understanding that we are no longer under the law, we are under grace. But does that give us a license to go ahead and want to sin more? Man, if we're in love with God, we don't want to sin. We want to, grace is not a theology, his name is Jesus. And when grace gets inside of us, we overcome this world because of the greater one that's living in us and he that's in this world. So if you keep on sinning, you're probably not enjoying quality time with God and you're definitely not getting the word of God in you like you could or should because when you put this thing inside of you, you become powerful. I remember one time I was praying for a woman and she had backslidden and she had left her husband for another man. And she had claimed to be a Christian. You know, you hear these stories like, man, that, I can't believe that pastor ran off with his secretary or the pianist or whoever it was. And it's like, that spirit-filled pastor. Well, he might have been spirit-filled at one time, but he's not that day. And he's definitely been entertaining his flesh for some time. James is very clear about what he was doing. He was thinking about some wrong things for some time. And God's not the one tempting him. It's our own flesh. It's our own desires. And if we feed those things, it's like if we practice the fruit of spirit, we get better at the fruit of spirit, right? And if we practice the things of the flesh, we get stronger in the flesh. Doesn't mean that you haven't accepted Christ, but this is where we want to go today because we want to move from having him as our savior. Yes, thank you, Jesus, that we have heaven, but we want to move to him being also our Lord. Our Lord. Not just our Savior. Thank God for our, him being our Savior. But we want him to be our Lord. We want to early in the morning seek the Lord. We want to aim for the sun so we can land with the stars. We want to have that personal friendship and get filled up with his love and his amazing grace. So we overcome this fleshly stuff. So we overcome the things, the obstacles, the sins of the flesh and so on like that. That we become stronger in the spirit. And when we get filled up with this woman, I remember the Lord showed me one time that like in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus, was, his blood was coming out of him, he was under pressure to just like, Father, is there any way around this? And, the, you know, nevertheless, your will be done, you know. And so he went through the cross anyway, even though his flesh would have liked to say, is there any other way? But he went to the cross, he endured the cross because he could see the joy set before him, so he kept the vision before his eyes. But here's the interesting thing. So I'm not testifying saying that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're not going to have some suffering. You know, sometimes people kind of think like, uh, so if I just follow and make Jesus the Lord of my life that I'll never have any problems or obstacles. You're going to have some tribulations or problems. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, there's going to be tribulations. But he goes on to say, but be of good cheer, I've overcome this world. So there may be present sufferings of saying, I'm not going to eat that donut because my flesh is wanting me to eat that donut. So I'm not going to eat that donut. And you might suffer emotionally for a moment. You know what I'm saying? You might prefer somebody above yourself. Instead of being selfish, you might be selfless at that moment. And I just remember... This, uh, this situation, this wife was backsliding, uh, and I just thought, what in the world is going on? She's been going to church. She's, you know, I think everything normally was going right. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, the temptation for her is as strong as it was for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the only difference is Jesus had the word in him. She doesn't have the word in herself anymore. 
And then later I found out from her sister that she had stopped reading the Bible five years ago. You cannot live a day without this thing, church. And if you think you can, you're definitely living in pride. We need this. We've got humility and honor like the key ingredients to all relationships here on earth as well as in heaven. And when we're on our knees and say, God, I need you today. I can't live a day without you. I need your word. I'm going to go into it like I'm treasure hunting and like I have never read it in my life. There's something so profound and so powerful about putting this in us. And then we become more and more like Christ himself. And we can withstand the temptations and the obstacles and the adversity. And we know how to swing our sword then, amen? And take up that shield that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The kingdom of God, let's take a look at Psalm 115, verse 16, though. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to go pretty quick through these next few scriptures. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So we need to understand the earth has been put in our control. Adam and Eve put it in Satan's control. They made Satan the god of this world, and for years we suffered, God's creation suffered. But thank God, say thank God, thank God. for Jesus. Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He also did, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So thank God for Jesus. Go ahead and say that again. Thank God for Jesus. He has disarmed all principalities and powers in darkness. He has stripped the authority of Satan and given the authority back to all of God's creation. Those who will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Gentiles, the sinners, are going to be under the influence of Satan. So if your boss is not a born-again Christian... Or maybe they haven't been living for God very well and they were a Christian at one time. But whatever they're putting in themselves is what's going to come out. So you can't expect people to be perfect all around you when Satan is the God of this world. Now again, sometimes people are like, are you sure? Because I've been told for years that God is in control of everything. Yes, we know what the final outcome is, but God entrusted you and I to have authority. And we'll get into this maybe next week or the week after, I don't know. But we'll talk more about our God-given authority. But you need to understand, Satan, when he brought Jesus out to the pinnacle of the mountain, he said, all these kingdoms, and he showed them all the kingdoms in the earth, all these kingdoms have been given to me. But if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give them to you. Now, if it was really a temptation, that means he was telling the truth. If it was not reality, it would not be a temptation. Am I right? But the Bible says that Satan tempted Jesus, and Jesus said, no, 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 you get behind me. The Lord our God, he is the only one that I will bow down and worship. Thank God he didn't compromise, because compromise always leads to moodiness, and it always leads to the Ishmael's in life, falling short of the Isaac promises that God has for us. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. But this is going to be the key, though. Even though we've been given God-given authority, there is a devil, and he's a real devil out there with demons that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. We have nothing to be afraid of. We haven't been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. We've been given authority in the name of Jesus now, so he's under our control, and now we take kingdom authority. So remember, kingdom is you separate the words and you got king and you got dom or domain or dominion. So when the Lord teaches us to pray in Luke chapter 11, verse 
2, or we're looking at Matthew chapter 6 in the early part, leading up to verse 31 and 33. We'll get to that in just a minute. But when you look at this, and he's saying, Our Father, hallowed be your heaven, holy be your name. Our Father in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So is there any crime in heaven? Is there any pain in heaven? How about car wrecks? Sickness, disease, poverty, anything under the curse? Do you have to be afraid to go out at nights? <laughs> so we need to be praying that because Jesus understood the Father's will's not happening here in the earth. And if you want the Father's will to happen, you've got to get under his kingdom, his domain, in order to experience it in your marriages, in your families, your relationships, in your careers. But you're going to have to pray this for yourself, and you're going to have to learn how to use your God-given authority. I think the Spirit's leading us to that. That could be coming up next week. We'll see. But this is going to be king uh, in our life, without question, is making Jesus Lord over our life. Being the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords over our life and really trusting Him to lead us beside the still water so our soul can be restored. Hearing His voice, inquiring of Him. The reason why David, King David, never lost a battle is yes, he early in the morning he sought the Lord, but you need to remember he had always inquired of the Lord. He never assumed the last military strategy was going to be the present military strategy. He was always going before the Father saying, What should I do, God? And God gave him a military strategy that was different from the time before. That's where a lot of Christians assume, well, we got to do services exactly this way every single time. Well, if that's not what the Holy Spirit's leading us, we can miss it every single time. We've got to inquire of the Lord. Lord, what are you doing today? What do you want to do in our marriage? What do you want to do in my family? Who are you speaking to? Who needs extra love today in my family? Who needs extra attention? Who needs extra affection? Who needs, uh, what do I need to do at work? Really inquiring of him on the small and big decisions. And this is going to be key in this wealth transfer because God is absolutely determined and passionate. In fact, I was just listening uh, to our, our pastor, Dr. Jerry Seville, uh, this week, Whitney had pulled up a message by him, and here he just preached this identical message, almost word for word, on the prophetic word that God is going to be transferring wealth in 2023 to his people. And I thought, wow, God, you are so good. He is passionate about this because he wants to get this thing wrapped up. He wants the money in the hands of the righteous so we can get the Great Commission finished up so we can go home and be done with it all. But in the meantime... Inquiring of the Lord is going to be key on every decision you make, small or big. There is a man that Brother Hagin tells about many years ago. He's passed on to be with the Lord now. But this man back in the Depression, uh, in the, he sold his business. And at that time, he sold it for quite a bit, which was like $10,000. And he invested it into stocks. Well, eventually that turned into millions and millions of dollars. And someone had inquired, how did you do that? And someone else had found out that he had never lost a dime in all of his investments. So he asked him, said, how did you do that? And he said, well, he said, when I had opportunities that were presented to me that would be like no-brainers, like you should just do it. He said, I still fasted and prayed for three days. And he said, then when decisions came where people were presenting me with opportunities that looked so dumb... Like, you'd be foolish to invest in that. I would still pray for three days until I heard from the Lord. Fast and pray. I would go into my closet and fast and pray. And he said the dumb decisions actually turned out oftentimes to be the God decisions. And the ones that were like no-brainers, like you'd be foolish to invest, not invest in this, were the ones that God was telling me don't invest in it. 
Never lost a dime. I believe the words that Brother Hagin said that the Lord had spoken to him years ago. And he said, Kenneth, and this is way before the blessing was ever taught. So you have to go back in his shoes and kind of know what it felt like. And I know that it's oftentimes persecuted still today. But the fact is, as he said these words, the Lord spoke to him and said, Kenneth, if you will learn to be led by my Holy Spirit, I'll make you very rich. And in his mind, he's like, rich? That's not okay. Like poverty, vows, things like that were made in those days commonly. Like that's not heard of. And the Lord spoke to him because he reads our thoughts, you know, because he was kind of like rebuttaling, like, is that possible? Is that really coming from you, God? And the Lord said these words, Kenneth, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. What I'm opposed to is them being covetousness. And that's why a lot of times people struggle with this whole concept of tithing is because like, that means I really have to trust God that my 90% is going to go further than if I keep all 100% for myself. But when you partner with God, your 90% of your income and you give 10% to the Lord, when you give your 10% to the Lord, that 90% will always, always, say always with me, will always go further than if you keep all 100% for yourself. Because God's teaching you how to be a partner with him so he can rebuke the devourer for your sake so he can cause that 90% to go further to show you that his grace is extended to you because now you're learning to trust him. And Jesus said, if you can learn to trust him in the smallest things, which is finances, God will make you ruler over much. Jesus talked so much about the kingdom of God that every parable was like kingdom of God orchestrated, wasn't it? When you think about it. And after he rose from the dead, he talked about the kingdom of God for 40 days. I think it's important that we learn about the kingdom of God principles and how to do things. Because in Matthew chapter 6, let's go to that now. And I think we should read that one together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, again, righteousness is kind of a King James Version uh, word that means simply rightness. So God's, seek God, his way of doing things, his right way. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But don't stay low. Let's go up and be seated in heavenly places. Let's learn how to operate in the principles of God. Let's start to learn the principles, the systems of how the kingdom of God operates. Amen. So his right way of doing things. So this is going to be key. King David inquired of the Lord, but we're going to have to be at a place in our life where we're inquiring of the Lord on every decision we make, small or big. I remember when we did our vision board years ago, when we first started the church, Amy cut out a picture of her dream house that was in Byron in Summerby. And she cut out this picture. She put the address on it, put some scriptures underneath it. And she looked at it. I don't know if I have a picture of a vision board today, but, um, you know, I, I showed it on Wednesday. So if you missed Wednesday, I apologize. But I, I just took and put a picture of my vision board up so you guys could see it. But, you know, it's just she had a vision book that she put together and she would look at this picture on a regular basis and this home was just, you know, it was listed for sale and it was kind of like, man, that's a really dream home, but we just started this church. It's outside of our budget. It's in God's budget, um, but it's really kind of a far-fetched dream for me. So long story short, she eventually got a little discouraged. How many have ever been discouraged in your life? Because, you know, your expectations are up here, but reality's down here. That's called discouragement in between, right? And uh, reality was not reaching expectations quite yet. And so eventually she's like, you know what, I'm going to take this picture out. This is just a little far-fetched right now for us. And, but she kept the address in there. And so she was still seeing the address every day. One day, our girls, they were pretty young. Um, Courtney came in or Whitney came in first, and they were just little girls when we first started the church. And 
this is our routine. Every morning we seek the Lord. Amy and I get up early in the morning. We go and have quality time with the Lord. A little bit later we come back and we snuggle up with each other. Say snuggle, would you? Come on, husbands or wives. So we snuggle up and we pray together. And sometimes, you know, in the early stages, our kids would come and jump into bed. Uh, and this particular morning, Courtney or Whitney, one of them came and jumped in bed and said, Lord, I pray that our next home would have a swimming pool. Now, I used to do some property management, and sometimes I would help our maintenance person out and clean the pool. In the back of my mind, I was like, man, I kind of like the idea of a pool. But on the flip side, that's a lot of work sometimes, maintaining one of those puppies. So I wouldn't mind if somebody else took care of it. So I didn't rule it out. And then she went back to bed, and then Whitney, uh, or went and got dressed for the day, Whitney came and hopped in bed right after that with us and snuggled up with us and started praying, and she prayed the identical prayer. And she said, God, I pray that, um, you know, you, our next time we'd have a swimming pool. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of like no coincidence that that just happened. Amy, let's look up homes that have swimming pools in the community. And two homes pulled up. Not realizing it at the moment, one of the homes that pulled up was, on her, was the home that she had put in her, in her gold book. We didn't realize it, but the price on it had dropped significantly, uh, almost a couple hundred thousand dollars. We didn't realize it, but it was going into foreclosure when they were trying to sell it. The guy had transferred out of state um, and couldn't handle the bills, and he eventually lost it, but he thought he was going to sell it, and so it was kept up immaculate. Uh, and so anyway, we go and tour it, and there was another one in, in this community, it's called Summerby, uh, that we went and toured as well uh, that was for sale, and it was a beautiful stucco home, a little bit bigger square footage, um, bigger another bedroom. And we walked through it. The kids walked through it. We walked through both homes. And we, we had a witness on the home that we had in our goal book, not realizing it was the home that was in our goal book yet. And uh, we had a witness on it. It just really, you know, we really felt a witness. And we asked our kids, the kids, hey, which home did you like better? And they said, definitely the first one, which was the home that we had in our goal book. And the other home was bigger, had an extra bedroom, and had, you know, a beautiful exterior to it. Well, we ended up making, a, it's just a phenomenal testimony. I'm not going to take all the time to talk about it, but it was a phenomenal testimony. We ended up buying the home for a, a crazy deal, um, sold it like a year ago for almost twice as much as we had originally purchased it for. It was just a phenomenal wealth transfer. Uh, they just wanted it off their books. The big bank wanted it. it was, they had it outsourced. They just wanted it off the books, and they sold it to us. Somebody had offered them like $2,000 that week, and they said no. They ended up selling it to us for another 30 or more thousand beyond that. Beyond that, when they had just said no, the realtor said there's no way they'll take anything less than what they're already asking us. They already dropped it almost a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, they won't take anything less. But the Lord told us to offer them how much, and it was just, it all fell into place. So, how many, how many know that God's in the business of moving wealth into the hands of the righteous? Amen? So he's so good, but later someone who was a builder in our church toured the other home that has the stucco, and he was a builder and architect and so on like that, and he toured through the home, and he did a really big investigation of that home and found out that there was some mold in the stucco. How many know that God's in the business of protecting you too? So when you inquire of the Lord, and this is really where we're going right now today, is when you inquire of the Lord on smaller big decisions, he can save you from a car that looks really nice on the outside, but that engine is going to have problems. You know what I'm saying? Or that house that looks amazing on the outside, but has mold issues or plumbing issues or whatever it might be. God is in the business of protecting you, rebuking the devourer for your sake and pouring out such blessing you don't have room enough to receive it. He is in the business of doing this, and he's just looking for people who will trust him with their finances. Because if he can trust you with the little, he will make you ruler over much. So if somebody says, well, if God gives me a, a million dollars, then I'll start tithing, for example. Well, if he can't trust you with $100, do you think he can honestly trust you with a million dollars? You know, it's just kind of funny how people talk sometimes. But anyway, I've heard it all. 
All right, so let's keep on moving on. Uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 through 13. This is, again, key in following the Lord. The Lord hears Isaac. He's saying, God, I, I'm going to go up to Egypt. I'm going to get some bread because there's not famine in that land, or at least I hear there's food. So the God speaks to him and says, no, you stay in Gerar. And this is what he did. Isaac stayed in that land. He reaped in that same year after planting a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That was Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 and 13. 13. I didn't say that uh, for all of you who are taking notes. So here it is. The key is following the Lord. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So this is key is following his lordship, his leadership. He's not going to fail. God does not fail. So if he says invest into Dunkin' Donuts, you know, that might be some wealth transfer. That, that happened to somebody who was a Christian that invested in Krispy Kreme donuts early, early, early on, before Krispy Kreme donuts was even known. The Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to invest in Krispy Kreme donuts that made that person a very wealthy multimillionaire because they invested before the, the industry was even known. I'm just saying God wants to transfer wealth into your hands this year. Don't limit him on how he's wanting to do it. It could be real estate, commercial, land, uh, I don't care. I'm, I even enjoy buying cars and reselling them for a better price than I bought it for. Some people are like, cars just depreciate. Not when you get a good deal on them. I'm not saying that you go out and buy classic cars or whatever it is, but I'm just saying be led by the Holy Spirit. God wants to take the limits off of our thinking this year and move mightily and transfer. Again, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored it for the righteous. Proverbs 10, verse 22, this is key. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So this is the key, following God's plan. So many times people are like, I'll just make a decision, I'll go and do this, and then I'll ask God, will you please bless this? The better choice is to follow God's plan that's already blessed. Can I hear an amen? It got kind of quiet there because that's the truth. And the knowledge of the truth will set you free. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. The key is following the leadership of the Lord on every decision you make in life, small or big. This is going to be key to the transfer of the wealth. God knows where the oil is. God knows where the gas is. Did you know the guy who discovered um, oil? He was a soldier and he was reading in the Bible. It just happened to be in the part where Moses had, he was reading the part where Moses had put like some kind of substance on the, on the, or, uh, the Moses' mom had put some substance on the top of the basket and kind of covered it and all that. He thought, what is that? And the Lord spoke to him and said, why don't you go drill and find out? He drilled where Moses had been going down the river. He discovered that there was oil there and he struck oil simply because he found it in the word of God. All I'm saying is that God has no problem prospering his children. What he's opposed to is covetousness. God's more interested in your maturity than prosperity, but he would like you to have both. And maturity is simply just saying, Lord, you're my Lord. I need you. I can't live a day without you. You're my king of kings and my lord of lords. I can't even take that next breath without you and your saving grace. Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us as we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us what? The desires of our heart. So what are those desires that God has placed in your heart? Maybe it's to build that orphanage. Maybe it's to build a school. Maybe it's to pay off your mother-in-law's home. Maybe it's a uh, 
my mother-in-law's home, I believe, is already paid off. But otherwise, I'd do that. Uh, you know, it could be anything. You know, maybe your neighbor, there's some debt. You want to help not just yourself to get out of debt, but you want to help the people to get out of debt that are around you. All I'm saying is that when you live beyond yourself, this is how the kingdom of God operates. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, those who diligently seek him, he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Amen? Psalm 49, verse 10, and I need to wrap it up because of time. I've got one quick story I'll close with. But Psalm 49, verse 10, the brightest and the best, along with the foolish and senseless, God sees that they will all one day die, leaving their houses and wealth to others. Psalm 84, verse 11 through 12, for the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory and honor and splendor and heavenly bliss. No good thing. Will you just say that with me? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts in you, leaning and believing on you, committing all and confidently looking to you, and that without fear or misgiving. I'll close with this again. The wealth transfer is happening. It's already happening. We're already experiencing it. We've experienced it multiple times, multiple times but we're going to see more and more. God is going to prosper you until you become prosperous. Why? Because you're so smart. You're so intelligent. It has everything to do with being led by the Holy Spirit. He's no respecter of persons, whether you've got an education or no education. The key is having a relationship with the creator of the universe, getting to know him, getting to know his general word so you can get to know his specific voice. Because he is speaking, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. So we should know his voice on a daily basis. We should be looking to him, determined to find and recognize his voice through the general word of God so it becomes easier to hear his specific voice. I'll close with this. One day there was a couple, this was about 14 years ago now, maybe 15 but they had a, a daughter that died. Um, she, she was born with an illness. They believed in healing, uh, but long story short, she wanted, it ultimately came to the end. She was 17 years old, beat all the odd statistics. She lived until then. It was a miracle, just that alone. He was appreciative for the years, but she didn't want to come back. She didn't want to come back. She just wanted to go to heaven. And so when her dad called her back, she was like, mm-mm. And a dream of revelation came to the senior associate pastor and said, tell Tell, tell my dad, and this is the daughter saying, tell my dad, I don't want to go back there. I know he's calling me back, but I don't want to go back, and I'll explain everything when he gets here. And so it was her choice. She really didn't want to come back, but it devastated him. They lived in a home about $250,000 at the time, and he, she had a beautiful little sedan car, and he just treasured this, but it was hard. It was devastating because every day he would see that empty room now that she's passed on. So one day he was praying and just in his prayer closet, and the Lord said, I have a surprise for you. And uh, he didn't really know what that meant, but all of a sudden he had a desire rising up his heart to look at houses. How many know that's how the Holy Spirit works? Like when it's time to start changing vehicles, I'll start having a desire to look online at vehicles and start doing some due diligence. I actually find it very peaceful when the Holy Spirit's in it. You know, if he's not in it and you're trying to find a job, a new job, and the, it's not peaceful, then you're probably supposed to stay right where you're at. And if it's not time to look at a vehicle or whatever it is, then you're not going to have peace in it. You have to follow peace himself. That's like our master compass. So he just had a prompting. I, I think I'll start looking at houses. And he found it enjoyable. He started looking at houses. And one day he was looking at the papers and he saw this home that was listed for $1.8 He's like, I wonder what kind of people live in that kind of home. 
And, you know, he was living in a $250,000 home. So long story short, he said to his wife, hey, do you want to go look at homes uh, today? And so she said, sure, I did. And so they drive and they come across a home that was listed in the papers. And he said, hey, do you mind if I just drive up the driveway and just see what kind of people live in that home? That's the home that I saw in the papers listed for $1.8 million. I know it's out of, way out of our budget, but just, you know, would you just, you know, go with me. And she's like, sure, that's fine. So they drive up and there's a gate and it's closed. And he's like, oh, I guess we probably won't be able to. But the gate all of a sudden opens up. So they drive a little bit further and there's another gate and that gate opens up. So he drives up to this beautiful established estate. And right then, a real sporty car, young individual drives out, meets him. And he gets out of his car and introduces him as the owner of the home. And he's the, this, this man said, I, I just happened to be in the area, and I just was curious what kind of people own a home like this. And he looked at him, and he said, people like you. And he said, no, no, this is way out of our budget. We live in like a $250,000 home. We, you know, this, we saw this listed in the papers, and I was just curious what kind of people lived in a home of a $1.8 million home. And he said, this is not a $1.8 million home. That's a misprint. This is an $18 million home. And his mouth dropped up, and he's like, get in the car and go quick. Get out of here kind of thing. And the man said, well, since you're here, why don't you just come and take a tour through my home right now? So they're walking through the home, and, he, you know, everything's electronic. He had built it for his wife for her birthday. And it's a beautiful home, everything electronic, push buttons, this, that. And this is 15 years ago or so. And they're walking through just one level of the home, and just the first level of the home, it took three or four hours, and they still hadn't gotten to the next level. <laughs> so it kind of gives you an idea. Now, he gets a phone call, this owner, and he happens to be uh, a lawyer of a large uh, law firm. Him and his dad own a large law firm. And uh, he gets a phone call, and somebody on the other line says, I'll give you $10 million, uh, for the home cash. And the person, the owner said, no, the owners are already here with me right now. And this shocked him. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's like crazy. He's like out of his brain like nuts. We got to get out of here, honey. We got to get out of here, and we got to get out of here quick. And so he said, by the way, you look really familiar. Are you, a, are you that big preacher on TV? And he said, well, I don't know about being a big preacher, but I am on television. He said, well, since you're here, why don't you guys just go down and maybe visit with your God and ask him how much he wants you to offer me for this home? And so they go down, drive down by an area where they have like a lake area and they had uh, like a beautiful yacht and everything. And he explained it to him that this is an area that I go and I just, it's tranquility for me. So he goes down there praying and all of a sudden the wife hears. Now the husband heard this in prayer just a few days earlier and he said he heard these words from God. I have a surprise for you. And so now they're down and they're praying. The wife is praying. The husband hadn't told the wife what, what had happened, what the Lord had said to her. And all of a sudden, God said, surprise! And she said to her husband, honey, God just said surprise. I believe he actually wants us to have this home. So they totally forget to ask God how much to offer for the home. And they drive back up, and they visit with this man, and they said, we believe that God does want us to have this home. And he's like, well, how much, can, how much does he want you to offer? Well, we forgot to ask that question. Well, all right, what do you have? And he's, well, we have this $250,000 home. Uh, okay, I want that. And uh, okay, um, what else do you have? Well, I've got this little sedan car that my daughter used to drive, and I want that too. Um, what else do you have? And he said, well, I've got this like 21-foot boat, and, um, but I can't give that up for anything because that's where I go and have time with God. And I, he said, no, I want that too, uh, but I'll give you my boat in exchange of it, which was a yacht. <laughs> they transferred these few things and literally transferred it 
And the Lord, he was sitting there asking the Lord, Lord, why did this happen so easily like this? And he said, I told you some time ago, one of my visions for you is you to lead kings of nations to me. And he said, they will not stay in your $250,000 home, but they will stay in your 18-bedroom home. And they didn't even know how are we going to handle all the furniture. But the couple said, you know, you, we don't need 90% of this furniture. You just keep it. Well, they went down to the second floor. This gets better even. They go down to the second floor and looking through it, and they notice that there's this big jewelry thing behind the couch. And so he calls up this attorney. By the way, they ended up leading this attorney and his wife to the Lord. And so out of deep appreciation, like, hey, we, we found this jewelry container downstairs. And he's like, hey, you keep that. Give it to your wife as a gift. Like, oh, are you sure? No, my wife said, I want you to have it. It's a gift from us. They go and have it appraised. It's appraised at $17.5 million. Well, that attorney had a son that went to a private school where a prince from another nation attended as well. They end up introducing this young man who's a prince of another nation to this man and woman of God, and they end up leading this prince to the nation. That next summer, the king was coming to stay with them. All I'm saying, the reason why it gets easier to receive for God's people is when they become kingdom-minded. It's not just about me and my household and my four and my dog and no more. It's about being kingdom-minded. We can't take any of this home with us anyway. But why wouldn't God want you to experience life and life more abundantly that he came to give you? And it's not limited to just finances or houses or cars or anything like that. But I personally... And I believe I speak on behalf of God today. I would rather see you driving the nice cars, having the nice jets and airplanes, and you having the nice houses, rather than the pornography dealers and the drug dealers and the sinners out there. Amen? Amen? But you've got to believe this, that this is for you, a message for you. And as long as you learn to choose to live beyond yourself, God has no problem transferring wealth into your hands so you can help further the Great Commission and be a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself. Let's get the job done this year. Let his kingdom come here on earth as it would be in heaven. If you receive this today, will you say amen? amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you that your word is going into good ground. And I believe this is a major year that we're going to see Psalm 23 unfolding like never before, that even before our enemies, you're seating us in places to just enjoy a dinner, Lord, and they're seeing us experiencing this wealth transfer. But Lord, it's not just for us to be glorified. It's for you to be glorified and for people to want to follow the great shepherd, the overseer of our souls, that he has no respecter of persons, nothing missing, nothing broken, that in you, Lord, we have everything, our very next breath, now and for the rest of eternity. And we just thank you. We praise you for your goodness and mercy that follow us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed in just a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never accepted his love and his great forgiveness for your life, today would be my honor to introduce you to my very best friend, and his name is Jesus. Let me take it one step further. Maybe you've accepted Christ in your life, but deep down in your heart, you're not living for him the way that you could or should, and you're saying, Pastor, would you pray for me too? I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. If that's you on either one of those occasions, can I pray for you right where you're at? 
And if that is you, would you just let me know by a raising of a hand all over this auditorium, just saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Go ahead and slip up your hands real high right now, and then you can put them back down. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I see your hands. Any others who are saying, Pastor, pray for me too. I want to accept Christ. I want to accept his forgiveness or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. There ought to be others. Just a moment longer. Just waiting on somebody. The Holy Spirit says, just wait, just a minute. So I don't know who you are. I'm just waiting just a moment longer. You know your heart's not right with God. If you died right now, you don't know for sure you'd go to be with Jesus. This is the time to make things right. If you've never made that decision or you need to recommit your heart, now is your opportunity. Just slip up your hand real quick and then we'll move forward. All right, thank you so much. I know it takes courage to do this, but the Holy Spirit is very patient. He's very long-suffering and he's willing to wait. But let me tell you, the moment that we call on his name together, the Bible says not only are our sins forgiven, but we are saved. We become the new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. But the Bible says the angels begin to rejoice even over one person turning their heart to God. So let's take a moment and pray with those that are making that quality choice. In Romans 10, 13, once again, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It means no matter what you've done wrong, all that matters right now is what Jesus has done right. So let's take a moment. Let's put a hand on our heart. Let's pray with those that are making that quality choice. Those that are joining us online, would you pray with us out loud wherever you're at? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Thank you all so much. God bless you. You've been an awesome congregation as always.